Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Coach Frost signed the top five in-state players today and supplemented them with other talented kids from all across the country. It's a crazy approach that might just work at Nebraska. I think it is Honky approved, that's for certain. I'm also with Boomer. Well, I just, uh, first off, like to say I'm excited that we uh, kept those top five players away from uh, Wyoming for a season, so that's a good thing. I like but I, and I would like to remind the Redcasters that uh, my interest in recruiting is probably on a max level of interest in any sport not involving an oblong ball, so this might be the honky show today. So. <laughs> well, uh, you know, Wyoming did fall down the recruiting rankings, thanks to Nebraska keeping all those in-state kids. Uh, we are missing one in-state kid right now. Uh, Mac uh, is not on the show tonight. We'll miss him because he is uh, one of our recruiting gurus, but I'm sure Honky can help us out uh, breaking down this uh, class that Scott Frost and Company has put together, another top 25 class overall. Uh, Honky, your kind of initial impressions, uh, you mentioned the, the in-state kids, obviously a great way to start uh kind of a foundation for this class, but I think I, I looked up the the states. I think we're at 16 right now. We've got recruits from 16 states. Pretty impressive haul. Yeah, it's pretty much from Washington to New Jersey, down to Arizona to Florida or Georgia, all over the place. I mean, just uh, it's a traditional kind of old school Nebraska class. Get your best kids from in-state and you work your way out from there. Um, I think if I could kind of give a theme to today, it would be drama-free. And that's such a good thing after the last 10 to 15 years of craziness that come this day. Um, I think what Coach Frost and staff have shown that if you develop relationships and you build trust over the course of, you know, months and months and and, and going on to years as we get into our upcoming recruiting classes, uh, it shouldn't have to be crazy and have all these last second decommits. You can just have a normal day if you if you build up a good relationship and trust with these players. And uh, we had a guy today mention something about that, how he's like, well, wait until we get to recruit, you know, all the top five-star guys, you know, in a couple of years. Then then we'll go back to being being crazy. Well, the last 10, 15 years, we haven't been recruiting a bunch of five-star guys, and we've still had the craziness. So Yeah, that's a good point. The only crazy or potential crazy point we had today was uh, Lloyd Summerall, right, who was from Florida. Uh, we didn't actually get anybody from Florida or California, at least yet, and we only got one from Texas. We'll get to that here in a second. But I didn't realize until a few days ago that Lloyd Summerall was the recruit that his dad on the recruiting visits was also dressing up in the the entire um, uh, you know uniform yeah. of the team, right? And so, the, uh, uh, Honky, let me ask you: if you're rec- getting recruited 
by uh, anybody D- Division One, but we could say Scott Frost. <laughs> Would uh, Mike Honky want to dress up <laughs> in, in uniform with you? Uh, all I can think of is when Bo Pelini tried to pull the the prank on the the team when when he was coaching here, and he yeah. came out wearing the uh, the alternative uniform, and it just looked like a fat old guy wearing a football uniform. <laughs> I mean, I can just picture myself right now if if. My son, if little Alex eventually is gonna, you know, play football someday, yeah, I, I don't think Dad will be dressing up in any of that stuff. But um, you know, at the end of the day, it was a good day. The guys that were supposed to sign signed. We still have a couple of JUCO guys that um, we're not exactly sure yet where they fall on some of the academic pieces, and that comes with recruiting some JUCO sometimes. That's just that's the uh, kind of the pros and cons of it. But you know, I think I've said this on enough prior shows, and I'll just say it again. Today simply marks the beginning for these guys. I'm excited. I really am. I, I'm probably not the, the best guy to, to take the lead on today's show because Mac would be so much more pumped about certain guys. But I, I'm excited. I am genuinely excited, but there's no guarantees from anything. Today isn't what's going to win the championship. It's what these guys do from this point on. And and I, I always want to remind that to people. It Rankings are important. Recruiting rankings are important, but what's more important to me is what you do with those guys once they're here. And so I think as we go through this stat, this class, we see a lot of guys that have a lot of potential, and uh, I, I think uh, the staff's going to be pretty happy with them. All right, with that, let's uh, head into the offense, hey, Hunk? Yep. Scoring Explosion, the offensive breakdown. All right, let's uh, start with uh, quarterback. And uh, for my neck of the woods, Luke McCaffrey, uh, yeah. State champion out here in Denver. Um, what do you think about that get? Yeah, so if you were on uh, the Huskers Twitter today, uh, they did a great job. They had interviews with Greg Sharp and each of the uh, position coaches throughout the entire day, one-on-one interviews with every single player that they got. So in this case, uh, Coach Verdusco, uh, the quarterback's coach, uh, was being asked about McCaffrey, and I thought that – he mentioned one thing at the very end that I thought was very important. He goes, there's been a lot of chatter about him playing other positions, but Luke's going to play quarterback for us, and he's going to be a damn good one. And I think we can all picture a guy like Verdusco uh, saying that. Um, there's some themes that started to come out about all the different players from all the different coaches. Versatility was important. Can you play multiple positions? Uh, do you have, have you played multiple sports? State champions. These were all things that a lot of these players uh, uh, had backgrounds and and, and uh, histories with, and Luke McCaffrey is no different than that. Uh, Dave, you mentioned he's out there from uh, where you're at in, in Colorado. Uh, he's Valor High, right? Is that correct? Valor Christian, that's correct. Valor yep. Christian, so he's coached by his dad, Ed. Uh, his mom, Lisa. Lisa was a soccer player at Stanford. Ed played uh, football at Stanford, obviously, in the pros, and so Luke went undefeated at Valor. They won the state title. Um, and uh, Verdusco wanted to mention his career stats. He was 221 of 371 passing, so about 60%, threw for over 3,000 yards, 27 touchdowns to seven interceptions. So he is a legitimate QB. He only really played QB starting about his last year. Um, prior to that, he was a you know a multi-purpose athlete and did special teams even. I mean, he was just kind of all over the place. So yeah, This is the fourth McCaffrey uh, brother to get a D1 scholarship, right? They started with Max, uh, who went to Duke, and I think he's bounced around the NFL a, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Christian went to Stanford, Heisman Trophy candidate, having a great uh, start to his NFL career. Mm-hmm. And then Dylan is a quarterback at Michigan, right? So it's, it's impressive to have that type of 
uh, run. That's uh, that's an, uh, an amazing family tree. Yeah, we 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 got to see Dylan this year. You know, towards the second half of that Michigan game, yeah, I think he had a long right. run on us. So, uh, anyways, uh, but great to, great pickup, and you know, an all important position. Expect to get about one a one a class uh, for QBs next year. We already have that Logan Struthers kind of on the on the horizon. So hopefully, nothing yeah. crazy happens between now and then with him. Uh, yeah, let's uh, quickly hit the running backs. Uh, two guys that were in the fold for quite a while, and um, we have um, uh, was it Ram- uh, yeah, Ramir Johnson, New Jersey guy, actually a New York City guy, really, right? Mm-hmm. Who uh, um, goes to Bergen there in in New Jersey. So it's good to get that New Jersey pipeline going. Ronald Tompkins, Atlanta kid who uh, was injured early this year, but both uh, sounds like very explosive uh, running backs. Yeah, what's interesting is looking at these two, uh, we go off of rival star system on the, the Redcast. They, they are the official uh, recruiting <laughs> service of the, the Redcast as rivals. Um, if you look at their I don't star, know if they know that or not, yeah, but that's have, what they are. They have no idea of that. But um, but Ramir is the, the four-star, Ramir Johnson, and Ronald Tompkins is the three-star. But if you look at the teams that they each beat out here, uh, Ronald Tompkins, the three-star kid from Georgia, has an amazing – uh, list of schools that had offered him. We're talking Bama, Auburn, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, LSU, Penn State, USC. I mean, it's it's a kind of a who's who. Um, Coach Held was talking about Tompkins, who's six feet, one ninety five, and similar to Luke McCaffrey, uh, who came from a great school. Well, uh, Ronald Tompkins comes from Grayson High School, uh, very good program there in Georgia. Lots of D one guys get produced from there. Uh, Held is impressed with Tompkins' frame. He's going to be a two hundred plus pound back for us. He mentioned, which when I thought of that, the first thing I was thinking was a Zigbo and having that kind of next, you know, the next era of having that big back. Uh, they're not all going to just be Maurice Washington, you know, Wendell Robinson kind of kind of runners. We're going to have some some big backs still that can play in this this scheme. He can run and catch. Great kid. And uh, he's coming off an injury. But uh, but uh, Held has said that you know, he thinks he's the guy that's going to give him a spark in the fall. Speaking of the next Avino Zigbo, uh, someone we don't have on the books yet is Diedrich Mills, Juco from Garden City CC, who was a Georgia Tech um, running back. Uh, sounds like he should hopefully be in the fold here very soon, but maybe they're just trying to make sure that all the X's and O's are okay with the academic um, uh, element of, of that recruitment, right? Yeah, basically uh, the, the Husker staff will not accept any signed letter of intent from a junior college prospect unless they know he's 100% eligible uh, with no hang-ups on the, in the transcript. And that makes a lot of sense. You don't want to have people counting against numbers and all that if they're not going to end up making it there or have a good chance at it. Not saying that's his case. I'm just saying that's kind of their policy. So they want to wait it out. And uh, it still sounds, from some of the other things that we've been reading and hearing, it sounds like uh, they still expect Mills to sign and could be still this week. So hopefully that is the case. Uh, Ramir Johnson, he's the four-star kid. He's from uh, Oradell, New Jersey, 5'10", 175. Uh, like I said, not quite as premier of schools that we beat out for, but still Boston College, Minnesota, Kentucky, a number of those schools. Um, but he's been committed from a, for it to us basically since the beginning, almost a year now. Comes from a great yeah. high school in New Jersey. And uh, Held was very excited to get him in the program. He said when you watch his film, you can really – you can see he really runs and has great hands, and uh, and he 
you know, all the people at school were very high on him. So character and talent. And you heard that again from the coaches about a lot of players. They would talk about the character of the kid and how they would talk with teachers and, and coaches and, you know, count guidance counselors and everything that they really wanted to kind of holistically learn about these kids. And, and that means something because as we go back to the initial thing we talked about today being drama free, that starts with having kids that have good character and, you know, that you're not waking up biting your nails worried that they're going to decommit on you today. Like a Jameer Calvin who bounces around a program a program before he even gets the signing day. That could be an um, example. Nothing against Jameer Calvin. Actually, he had a pretty good year at Washington State overall, but uh, he sure didn't know how to make up his mind, that's for certain. Yeah. Uh, talking about uh, that wide receiving position, uh, definitely got the big get there with Wanda Robinson, probably that duck car kind of hybrid, a little bit more in the backfield, but really in that duck car position. Um, but also Jamie Nance and, and Darian Chase, uh, two kind of speedsters, a uh, little bigger frames, uh, maybe as they gain some weight, m- might fit that mold of a, a Stanley Morgan at some point in their, their careers, but with a lot of uh, uh, speed thrown in there. Yeah, Darian Chase specifically, let's start with him. And Coach Walters talked about him being, he's 6'1", 175 right now, uh, wide receiver from Vancouver, Washington. And three-star list, you know, picked us over a bunch of teams from up in the Northwest, both Washington, Washington State, Oregon, Oregon State, Boise, also Notre Dame. Uh, but uh, Walter said, you know, once we get him into the weight room, he could get up into that 195 to 200 range. And Dave, to your point, that to me sounds exactly like a, a Stanley Morgan. Um, but he also could be returning kicks. Uh, so again, very versatile. And uh, also was named the district defensive MVP as well as the co-state player of the year. And so, and led his team to a state title. So if this sounds like a recurring theme, <laughs> we're getting there. I mean, that's, that's what a lot of these players are. He's a winner. He comes from a winning program and he's one of the kids that he'll get here in June. Um, Wendell Robinson, he's the other four star and wide receiver slash running back slash duck R basically five, nine, 100 type guy. Yep. Five nine one seventy five athlete. Now he has the who's who's of, of other schools that went after him. We got him over Bama, Michigan, Ohio State, uh, also in state Kentucky. Uh, Coach Walters explained him as as being explosive, dynamic, versatile athlete. He plays offense, defense, and special teams. Uh, he was voted Mister Kentucky by the press and his peers. And I think most importantly, and Dave, you mentioned this on the last show when we were comparing him to uh, Maurice Washington. He will be here in in January. So right. looking forward to getting him here with Coach Duvall. Um, but uh, Walter said we can move him around. He can play inside and outside. And he has a, the ability to come in and return kicks. So, I mean, there's a lot of things they can do with him. Yep, absolutely. All right, and also wrapping up the receiving core, uh, Chris Hickman, tight end. Boomer, whenever we I mentioned a Nebraska guy, you should have like a sound effect of some sort, you know, so Honky can get all excited. Um, <laughs> uh, Hickman is one of those uh, Omaha Burke uh, kids, um, big, tall, uh, tight end. Uh, easily, you could imagine a, a Noah Fant uh, type, I guess. Uh, Got to be pretty excited about uh, having that um, element in yeah, the class. I mean- Long and rangy, 6'6", 205, Burke kid. And this is one of those in-state guys, you know, never take for granted in-state kids. That And Boomer joked about it a little bit earlier that, you know, uh, us grabbing our top five hurt the uh, Wyoming's recruiting classes. But 
you know, in case of Hickman, we got him over LSU and Wisconsin and I, Iowa, and my goodness, yeah, Big Ten West teams, yeah. absolutely. We don't need to we don't need to hear about you know Omaha tight ends going to Iowa anymore. That's for sure. Um, never again. <laughs> never again. Uh, but well, unless Coach Ferentz wants to bench him for the game, then okay, that's well, right. That's fine. Uh, but Coach Beckton, you know, talked about him being a big, rangy kid, very athletic with great, great hands, um, and they're getting him here at mid-year and that's so important he said make sure he gets a good foundation this spring get started in the weight room um and a little kind of a side note that that coach beckton said he went with coach rude to watch the burke guys one game and hickman made a big play and he got up and he gave a head nod to coach beckton who was sitting in the stands and watching him so anyways it's great to get hickman here uh in january i should mention since we were talking about wide receivers the other guy Jamie Nance, the six foot, hundred and sixty pounder from from Blanchard, Oklahoma. He's a four star. He'll be here as well. In uh, in let's see here, in January. Yeah. Yep. We'll be a mid year kid, so we'll get him here in January. It's great. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think they definitely have opportunity for playing time um, early. So especially obviously Wandell, but the other other two. Um, in the wide receiving side, definitely could see some playing time early. Hickman may have a little um, weight to gain and, and have a little bit of depth there to, to, to work with in that tight end position. Yep. Offensive line, uh, Honky, I'll let you run through these guys, but I mean, I, I just want to uh, really emphasize the size of these guys. And uh, Michael Lynn, 6'6", uh, Bryce Benhart, 6'8", 305 already. How, how are you that big as a high school? My goodness. Matthew Anderson, 6'6". And uh, Jimmy Fritschke, the, the guy who just took us today over Clemson, that was one of our signing day gets, uh, 6'7". And I, I just heard that. I, I think his dad actually played in the NFL, so it's always good to see those genetics. But the size of these guys uh, definitely stands out to me. Yeah, when you, when you go back to kind of creating a theme for the, for the class overall, you have length and you have speed. We just talked about the wide receivers. There was speed across the all four of those guys. To your point here, the length, the height of these guys. Um, they're versatile. Uh, in almost every case, uh, Coach Austin said these guys are tackles first, but can certainly move in and play a guard if they need to. Um, but we'll start with uh, Michael Lynn out there in Colorado. Uh, played for a championship and lost it to uh, McCaffrey's team, but uh, from Cherry Creek High School. 6'6", 290, three-star kid, picked us over both Arizonas, Oklahoma State, Penn State, uh, big kid, uh, position versatility. That's what uh, Coach Austin said he liked about him. He's smart, very mature for his age, and his upside's tremendous. Also, he mentioned being from Denver, he's not very far away, and that's important again too. Is not just the the in-state kids, but I'm not going to say 500 mile radius anymore because that's such a, a a Riley phrase. But I just think Nebraska and surrounding <laughs> states. I think. It, and the surrounding I, states. I don't even want to yeah, say 500 mile radius anymore. I'm tired. I'm, that's got a lot of buzz to it, Hawk. So, that's really going to take so off. So overused. Surrounding states. I don't know if that works on a T-shirt. <laughs> Maybe Colo Nebraska or something. I don't know. Uh, something clever. Uh, Bryce Benhart, six eight three zero five from Minnesota. Uh, not quite a surrounding state. Very close as you get up into the northeast part of Nebraska. But uh, three, oh, thanks for the geography lesson, Hawk. Oh, you know that you learn a lot by listening to the Redcast. Uh, he's a three-star kid, but, you know, Michigan, Northwestern, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, uh, you know, Wisconsin, my goodness, when we're getting these offensive linemen guys over yeah. the Wisconsin's, that, that means This guy, something. Honk, uh, Benahart, to me is the, the guy that most 
sounds and looks like a guy that we would find on an Iowa or mm-hmm. Wisconsin offensive line. And so that, that that's exciting because that's the type of guy that we definitely want um, on our side uh, for a change. Yes, and Coach Austin uh, mentioned how you can bend really, really well, and he said that about a couple of the, the linemen. So that's something that they're really, you know, really important. And then on top of bending well, he's a tough guy, and he wrestles. So he's another. Ben Hart wrestles. Yeah, another, he's six eight three zero five. He just lost or twenty. Super heavyweight. He's, yeah. he, he's actually two eighty five right now because he lost twenty pounds right after to football wrestle. to go wrestle. Um, wow. And again, that here's that versatility, not just you know versatility on the football field, but these are guys that have played multiple sports, multiple positions. These big six eight dudes, a lot of them have basketball backgrounds to them. And if you go back to Husker offensive lines of the 1990s and some of the Zach Wiegerts and those guys, a lot of them had the exact same background. They came in here, they threw shot put and track, and they they played basketball, and they were six five guys. So it's you get that's what you're getting out of these right now. You can see a very clear vision of what the staff wants to do with their receivers, with their running backs, with their with their linemen, and and with these linemen guys, especially the t- the tackles, they want to get they want to get height and. You can't overstate the T word, tough. I mean, that's something that, that Austin said. He's a tough guy, um, and he's a highly sought-after guy. And t- stop me if you heard this, he won the state championship in football in Minnesota. So uh, it just – and Coach Austin, he loves to see guys who play different sports. That's what he's getting with Bryce Benhart. You know, speaking of that, Honk, uh, this is a quick uh, tangent. Uh, Boomer, you might have seen this article too. I think it was on The Athletic. Uh, there's a new company out there former high school football coach started it and he actually was big on his players doing track and field in the off season. And so, and he wanted to try to promote that idea. So he, to prove the value of, of uh, being a multi-sport high school um, athlete, he uh, took a lot of NFL players and, and actually went back and found their track stats and, and kind of built up this database. And I was expanded it into a company where now, uh, for for recruits, uh, different college teams can actually, you know, pay to be a part of this database and actually get all these additional um, metrics, essentially, on the um, you know athletic uh, ability of these players. It's really interesting that it goes to that level. But to Honky's point, a lot of these guys um, can do many sports well, and that ultimately gives them the the footwork and other things that an offensive lineman you rarely want in the Frost offense. You know, um, it's interesting. We're going to talk after this. We're going to talk a little bit about basketball, but that was something that uh, Tanner Borkhart, you know, came, could have played tackle, you know, could have went to Wyoming and a couple of those schools to play tackle. Yeah, six, and instead eight. he's yep. a, you know, six eight, you know, center on on a Big Ten basketball team. And that versatility, the feed, all that, uh, you know, it, it transfers over pretty well. Matthew Anderson Absolutely. from Leesville, Louisiana, this is one of the guys that he's kind of an under-the-radar guy, 6'6", 250. Um, he was a three-star. He did have a, a Kansas State offer, and then mostly everything other than that was local schools in the Louisiana area. But um, Coach Austin says he's a young guy. He's going to grow into his body. But he's a 6'6", athletic kid, ta- tackle prospect, and ability to cover guys in the open field, which I thought was kind of an interesting statement that, you know, when they're looking at athleticism for, for tackles is that the way that this offense, the spread offense works with there's you know they're pulling tackles. We've seen we've seen enough of it this last year. They're pulling tackles, you know, up up the middle of the field, or sometimes they go out on an island and they're pulling outside, and they, they might be one on one on an outside linebacker or a safety. And it takes athleticism to do that. You don't. We don't just need a big guy running down the field and 
you know, whiffing. So uh, for him to be able to, to get out there and, and be able to, to cover guys, as Austin said, uh, was kind of interesting. Uh, and he's another kid who played basketball for a time in high school. But the plan is to put some weight on him and, and uh, you know, see how good of a tackle he can be in the Big Ten. And then the last one is Jimmy Frischy, if I'm saying that right. 6'7", 255 from Greer, South, South Carolina. Three-star kid, but I think the big thing is we got him out of South Carolina and he had a Clemson offer. And that to me, that, that says a lot right there, you know. Uh, yeah, converted tight end, right? You said that? Yep, yep. Uh, yeah. Coach Austin said the kid's a late bloomer. He started as a tight end and then eventually made the move over to tackle. Uh, but he has so much upside, quick twitch coming out of his stance. And we're recruiting length, especially on the edges, so we'll build his body. But uh, he'll come into the program and develop and be a good one for us. All right, great stuff. I think that takes care of the offensive side of the ball. Let's head over to the defensive side. Throw the bones, the defensive breakdown. All right, Honk. Uh, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, probably maybe one of the biggest gets came today, actually, with uh, Ty Robinson who is a, a big defensive end out of the Phoenix area. Um, it was a Nebraska lean for a long time. He's got Nebraska connections. I think his mom is uh, from Nebraska. But uh, had a lot of uh, strong offers, I think, including Alabama. And uh, ultimately, we did land uh, Ty Robinson, another top you know, 200-type recruit and um, a, a big get. Um, how do you feel about how he, he'll fit into that D-line right away, and, and who else do we have coming in on that side? Yeah, on the D-line, I think Robinson will, will fit in great. Uh, we got a lot of size that came in here Oh, uh, really? Today. Big Shocking. guys, huh? Big guys. <laughs> um, Ethan Piper. It's almost as if that's what happened at UCF with Frost. Yeah, it's weird. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, I actually want to start with Ethan Piper. He's the in-state kid, the Norfolk Catholic kid, 6'4", 280. Um, three-star kid, only had one opt- or one uh, other F- uh, BS offer, but it's from Iowa. And, uh, again, we don't want to be losing those kids there. But Piper, he mentioned uh, on one of the shows I was listening to today that he was talking with Coach Dawson a couple weeks ago, and and Dawson basically told him that we don't have defensive tackles and defensive ends. We just have three linemen, and you play any spot. And I think when you think of that statement as you look at these four that came in, it starts to make sense. I mean, these guys can play anywhere, but Ethan Piper, Ty Robinson, Brant Banks, Messiah Newsom. We're talking guys that range from 6'4 all the way up to 6'7, and they're all in the mid 250s up to 280, 285. Um, Robinson, that you talked about, he's four star kid from Arizona. Again, Bama, USC, Florida, Georgia, Notre Dame. I mean, that's a who's who of schools that, that he picked us over. Uh, he has family ties to Nebraska, and a couple other players in this class did too. So, again, the coaching staff, you're going to, you're going to, Use every advantage you possibly can. If a kid has some kind of connection to Nebraska, you use it. Um, yep, absolutely. But, yeah, big-bodied guy, has a frame they can put on a lot of size and athleticism. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've seen you know, Ty Robinson and some of the highlight uh, film and just, just him physically. He's just a huge human being, man. I mean, he is really big already as a high school senior. So mm-hmm. excited to see what he looks like after a couple of years with Zach Duvall's weight room. So Absolutely. Now the kid that we got today from Texas, and I believe it's the only Texas kid in the in the class, Brant Banks, uh, 6'7", that's a big kid. And at 6'7", you'd imagine that he might have played some other sports like basketball, and sure enough he did, uh, multi-sport athlete. And uh, Coach Dawson said that, you know, if you can play multiple sports, you'll only, only help your game, and you don't see enough of that anymore. So they're looking for that stuff. 
Messiah Newsom, the last one, 6'4", 255, defensive end from Waverly, Iowa, and that's out on the east side. That's close to Iowa City, and we talked about this several shows back, but this is the first Iowa kid that we've gotten in a recruiting class since, like, was it the the running back from Davenport? Simmons. Simmons was it I Simmons? It, I mean, that is insane that it's been that long. And, yeah, uh, a generation almost. It is. And, you know, for a state that's produced a number of very good players, whether it was Roger Craig or Trev Alberts, um, it's important as we get our surrounding states, as I'm going to call it. <laughs> Not the fire <laughs> is there a mile radius you want to attach to that? or you know? <laughs> No, because, you know, it depends on, you know, you know, geographically, if it's 500, it doesn't matter. Point is, just get right. The, you miss Minnesota, Minnesota, Oklahoma, Texas. You know, there's some, there's uh, some issues with your surrounding state process. No, that's huh? okay. The, those would just be national kids that we get from Oklahoma. Oh, oh see, that's fine. But get get your kids in the you know in the states right around us. Um, but anyways, Newsom. I mean, his dad's a track coach, and and uh, Dawson talked about how you know uh, Newsom's going to understand the level of commitment needed to excel at college. So great athlete with a ton of upside, and uh, I'll tell you what, he can really see a lot of these guys as being interchangeable across the entire front, and that's that's important. There's that versatility. Excellent. Uh, linebackers. we got the two Garretts in state, Snodgrass and Nelson, as well as uh, Jameen Graham, a guy we landed just a few weeks ago. Um, what do you think about that, that haul? Wow. Well, we have five linebackers total inside and out. Uh, three of them are from in-state. So you've got Garrett Nelson from Scotts Bluff and Garrett Snodgrass from York. You have Nick Heinrich from Omaha right. Burke. Sorry about that. Yep. Uh, Burke, or Heinrich is the, you know, probably the, the top player of the, certainly in-state and top player even of the class potentially. Omaha Burke kid, four-star, 6'4", 210, had offers Florida, LSU, Notre Dame, Penn State, uh, A&M, you name it. Uh, Coach Rude talking about Heinrich, uh, said he's a great kid, a great leader, and that and Heinrich and Hickman were leaders on a Class A state champion team, Burke. So another champion, guy loves football, great motor. Uh, when you go to Snodgrass from York, uh, three-star kid, he had Iowa State and Kansas State offers, played for his dad, Glenn. Uh, so he's a coach's kid, loves the game, very intelligent, and he's very versatile. Outside linebacker, also played quarterback in high school. Uh, so they think he can do a lot of different things. Rude specifically said he can drop in coverage and rush the quarterback. So, and also, in-state kid that just loves the place. He's been to every hey, game. Hockey, the, yeah. Did uh, the Garretts were they both committed to Mike Riley's regime? Correct. Nelson went to some camps last summer and actually got noticed then and was offered, uh, or two summers ago it would have been. Snodgrass got offered at the very end of the season that Riley. I mean, it was Riley already knew he was gone. At the end, and they gotcha, I, yep. they offered it and. Uh, I guess it, I'm glad Riley did, but it, I'm sure he did it. Did Snodgrass actually accept under the Riley regime? I think so. I think that was That's all accepted at that point. As Coach Root said, I mean Snodgrass has been a huge fan. He's been coming to games for the last few years. Sure. He's been coming to spring practices. So Nebraska kid bleeds red. And yeah. uh, let's talk about uh, Jackson Hanna. I've heard a lot of good things about this guy out of Tennessee, huh? Just the athleticism of him. Just an interesting get for us. We don't go into Tennessee very often and get kids like this. And, you know, four-star kid, Bama, Florida, LSU, you know, the, the tops there of the of the SEC. But 6'3", 234 for an inside linebacker. That's a big kid. And, you know, he's really versatile. He, he played a lot of outside linebacker in high school. 
They want to move him inside, but great with his hands. He can rush the passer. And, you know, with that size, I mean, I think once they get him in with Duvall and Ellis, the nutrition department, I mean, this kid, they're, they're expecting those inside backers to be able to come in and, and provide depth next year. Same thing goes with Heinrich. Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely could see Heinrich and, and Hannah having uh, roles right away. All right, let's wrap this up with our defensive backs. We have uh, uh, Jevin Wright, Toby Wright's uh, son out there from uh, Chandler, Arizona, Miles Farmer, and, and uh, Quentin Newsom, two guys from the Atlanta area. Uh, what do you think about those guys? Yeah, Coach Fisher was talking about Javen Wright, and anyone that uh, is our age or, or older, if you remember Toby Wright, guy's a heck of a hitter, and that's what Javen models his, his play after. Uh, Coach Fisher actually played with Toby uh, with the oh, Rams, really? so he knew him a little bit from, from that anyways. But uh, Coach Fisher, talking about Javen, mentioned how he's grown. He's probably actually about 6'3 or 6'4 now, so um, he's bigger than, than what the – the recruiting uh, services were saying, but he's very physical on the outside, bends well for a tall guy, so he can play corner or play safety, and uh, that's something that they, uh, they're they looking forward to with him. Uh, he was banged up a bit this year, so he missed some games, but it looks like he's back and healthy now. Uh, Miles Farmer, another 6'3", 205, tall defensive back from Atlanta, three-star kid. Uh, Fisher said he's a very physical safety, but he can play multiple spots. He's up to about 205 to 210 now. And he was captain at Westlake High School, so he brings some swag and grit to the secondary. And last but not least is Quentin Newsom, 6'2", so he's a short guy, uh, 180, and he's a <laughs> defensive back from Sewanee, Georgia, three-star kid. But, again, you look at these, I mean, Bama and Auburn, Georgia, Penn State, you know, a heck of a, heck of a list heck of Heck of an offer sheet. Yeah, no, no kidding. Really is. And uh, – but he can play multiple positions, great hands. And something that Fisher mentioned was how he was committed to us for a long time, had lots of character, uh, and you know could have gone to a lot of other places but stuck with his commitment from, from very, very early on. You know, it's interesting with this, uh, this recruiting class and the, the amount of folks we got from the different states, right? Uh, I was listening to Sam McEwen today on the bottom line, and he was talking about, you know, it's like, you know, the guys that want to come to Nebraska, uh, they want to they they want to come to Nebraska. It's not a hard decision. For some reason, it it, it just sticks out to them that that's a right fit for them. You know, it, whether it's the um, just the the atmosphere or getting away from from out of state. You know, and and Sam was making the point of like in in the past with Riley. Sometimes we'd get these guys from out of state, and it was was it was because of a certain position coach. Or a, a an offensive scheme that they were sold on, and uh, that's probably you not know, the best way to, to recruit because those are the guys that will be the first ones to leave when something goes, doesn't go quite right, right? And so how, you feel feel really good probably about this class in the sense that you feel like these guys, even the all these out of state guys. I mean, a lot of these guys like Quentin Newsom committed to Frost for a long time now. Jackson Hanna, a long time, um, are in all in at Nebraska for the right reasons, you know? I think that last thing you just said, for the right reasons, that that is important. Uh, I'm actually going to give a little bit of defense here for a second to Riley and that at least they were able to get guys on the campus. And that was one of the biggest That's challenges that, that Pelini had. And this can be a difficult position to, to recruit to. It can be, but it doesn't have to be either. Um, it is important to get kids to campus, to get them to Lincoln. 
because we've only heard this a thousand times now from players that they get done with the weekend and they, they travel back to their school respectively, wherever it is in the country. And they go, wow, I was really surprised. Lincoln wasn't in the middle of a cornfield. Wow. There was a city there. It's a metropolis. There's 300,000 people. There's, you know, haymarkets and there's fans that come up and say hi to you and know your name and all those things. Type things like that. Yes. (laughs) It's, it's crazy how, you know, we have running water and all those things that, you know, if you only would sit there and talk to the Sabins and the SEC coaches that would say, don't go up to Nebraska, it's backwards and everything. Meanwhile, you know, we're in the South. But, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, we it's a pretty good place, but you got to get the kids here. And so Riley actually made steps, I thought, to get kids here, but you didn't always know if they were committing here for the right reasons. Or you could go back to the, right. you could go back to the Callahan era, and it's not hard to get one or two classes of, of top players when you say everyone gets to play. Everyone's starting next year if that's what you're telling them awesome until next year and the year after that happens and kids are like well you can only have so many starters and you just promised 52 guys that they have starting positions so yeah you have to that's right you want them to come here with the right reasons you want to be selling them the right reasons not selling them a bill of goods and i'm seeing the coaches saying a lot of things about we can't wait to get these guys in here get them with Duvall. they're going to put in the work it starts today but you know i think these guys come here knowing what they have a good expectation of what they need to do and if they do it man the, the sky's the limits for for all of them sure um no no predictions here but just you know who, who do you think might be the uh, top two or three impact guys if, if next year right this year we had adrian martinez and maurice washington and a few others having immediate impact um any sense on on that maybe just because of the depth of position that they're feeling or that they're just that that, that good well, have you been reading the mailbag, Dave? Because uh, Springfield, Nate, Marine, Pasker, we've had a couple of these questions. Who's going to be the biggest bust? Who's going to be the biggest star out of this? Um, I'm not ready to go, and I'm not even going to bother talking about who's the biggest bust right now. I don't want to go into that route. But I think you can see guys that really fit a spot well. And just off the top of my head, if I had to pick one offense and one defensive guy, uh, Wandale Robinson is a duck R if there's ever been one. I mean, he just yep. fits exactly what they want him to do. And I think there's a ton of potential for him in that defensively. You hit on him right away. Uh, Ty Robinson, that guy can play any position. He could be a nose tackle. He's big enough and powerful enough. And you could put him at either DN spot and he could be rushing a passer. He's, those are the, I mean, I'm just picking two guys out there, but they just fit, seem like they're the guys that kind of – this is the model of what we want these players to look like. Absolutely. Well, Boomer, uh, both of those guys, Ty Robinson and Wondell uh, Robinson, two Robinsons, wow. Uh, you know, high on the national recruiting boards, offers from um, all the top programs. Uh, how did uh, Nebraska ultimately fare in the, the team rankings and maybe run down – some of the other you know, Big Ten schools and, and uh, kind of an overview of the uh, recruiting landscape. Yeah, that's oh, that's kind of more my approach to recruiting. I'm kind of more interested in the, the macro view of it all, you know, seeing the forest for the trees sort of thing. Uh, first thing, I do want to offer some advice to our uh, coaching staff that we could have a few synonyms for uh, for bend, you know, or they bend well, you know, I might suggest, you know, pliable or Limber, ductile, <laughs> elastic. Mix it up a little, you know. We're, That's we're, right. We're, we're a university. Let's go for that. But uh, <laughs> a yeah, Big Ten university. Yeah, Big Ten at university that, at that. So no, Nebraska actually, you know, ended up recruiting pretty well. If we're going to go on the uh, our our official, apparently, unbeknownst to them, uh, 
rivals, you know, rankings, we're sitting at 18th currently, which is, you know, a reasonable recruiting spot to be in. Uh, as far as the Big Ten goes, that you know, far and away the uh, the best in the West, which I think is very important. You know, we do need yeah, to recruit Purdue's at a high level to compete in the West. Purdue yeah, that was yeah. Michigan, Penn State did a great job with their their classes. They recruited well. Ohio State, you know, they're recruiting talent, but they didn't have a whole lot of numbers this you know so far this year. I think they've only yeah. signed sixteen so far. So and you know, there are the questions of who's all going to stay, who's going to go. You know, are they well, going to bring any other people they... back with Urban Meyer? You know, leaving, that's a big question. Yeah. Possible, a possibility there, Boomer, that Justin Fields, the Georgia quarterback, could transfer to Ohio State. That's yeah, he'll be an interesting wild card for a lot of teams. So I'm curious yeah. to see who's going to take a chance at him. Yep. And you anyway. mentioned Purdue, Dave. I was, you know, yeah. they, they recruited, you know, well, too. They're currently ranked sixth, you know, on the Rivals board, you know, signed 25. Four Big Ten. Yeah, they're uh yeah, they're a team that's we're really going to have to watch for. You know, they were able to keep Brom this year. They seem to be recruiting at a decent click, you know, that's a team we're probably going to have to watch for in the West in the next few years. I mean, they're heading in the right direction, and their recruiting starting to show that. I mean, they've had a better class than Michigan State, Iowa, Minnesota, you know. Yeah, where are good friends Iowa land at? Uh, Iowa signed 20, and uh, Rivals put them at ninth in the conference, and then you've ninth got the uh, barn burners down at the bottom towards, you know, Rutgers and Illinois and Maryland. You know, Maryland's had some recruiting challenges, as you can imagine, so... Yeah, they, yeah, their pitch they, was a little tough this year, so yeah, they're they're not well at all. So, uh, Loxley actually is a really good recruiter, so he'll probably bounce yeah, give him some time. They, yeah, they have a class of eleven right now, so they haven't really you know done a whole lot yeah. of work there. So, yeah, he's yeah. he's got some making up to do, I think, some catching up, definitely. Yeah, that's 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 interesting. And then nationally, it's the same teams as always. You know, we kind of touched about this off air. It seems to be the same. You know, five or six teams constantly in that top. You know. Handful of teams, it, Alabama, is, Georgia, right. Clemson, you know, they're always in those top top roles. And that's one of the important things. I know Honky mentioned, you know, it's easy to get caught up in the, you know, recruiting rankings and numbers and all that. And, and it is for individual players. But it is important class-wise to, to have a high ranking. If you look at the teams that are consistently making the playoffs and winning those national titles, you pretty much have to be recruiting right around that, that 15 ranking or higher. It's almost impossible not to... Yeah, to, make, to make the playoffs with anything lower than that. Boomer, so. th- this year's uh, playoff uh, contestants, Notre Dame, I think, averages over the last four years maybe, I think, 12th in, yeah. the, in the recruiting rankings. Yeah, and Oklahoma's kind of up or down, too. So they're, they're in the yeah. teens as well. But you pretty much consistently have to be recruiting at that high Alabama level. Alabama averages one. Yeah, yeah <laughs> basically. <laughs> everything gets Clemson's skewed usually by, that high. So. Yeah, everything gets skewed by if you want to win a national title. It's not really about your recruiting classes. It's about... At some point, you have to have good recruiting, don't get me wrong, but who's your coach? Because it's a very limited fraternity right now of coaches that have it really is. national championships. So it's amazing that great coaches, the elite coaches, can take those good recruiting classes and turn them into something. Meanwhile, you know, Tennessee, they're probably in I, – I haven't even looked. Tennessee's probably a top 20 recruiting class right now. They're right around us, I think. Yeah, yeah. They're and they are, and they seem to be at. just about every year. You know, and there's certain schools yeah. that every year they're constantly up there and they never seem to make any, any progress. So you need to have – recruiting classes are important. But, man, I'll tell you what, if you get that, you got to get that right coach. And uh, Well, and, I think in the top five this year, I think maybe number three or four is Texas A&M. And, and he's Jimbo done okay. is 
uh, one of those uh, few coaches that have that national championship ring mm-hmm. uh, to walk into a, a living room with. And so, I mean, you know, Les Miles does that too. I don't know how, how that's going to help with Kansas, though, right, Boomer? Yeah, yeah, poor Kansas. They're kind of locked in a, a death struggle here with Harvard for the you know, certain <laughs> slots in the rivals' recruiting rankings right now. So I, I think Les Miles might have walked into a bigger rebuilding uh, challenge than he expected. So this should be uh, – it'll be entertaining to watch at least, see what our good friends down south do. Yeah. Maybe he can wear some like Bill Self's rings too, you know, when he's recruiting. I don't know. <laughs> All right, good stuff, guys. Good stuff. Um, other things on the recruiting front that we want to want to touch on at all? Hockey, any closing thoughts? You know, Boomer touched on it. I thought really well with the Big Ten West, but the West is getting better there in in the recruiting. It Purdue is, yeah. certainly is, but even like Minnesota, I think they they were a top fifty program for two straight years now recruiting, which maybe doesn't sound incredible, but that's far improved from what they were doing prior and and you know so the the competition getting fleck in there and i i think it's not at the level of what you know urban meyer did for the conference overall but i think getting guys like brahm and fleck and frost involved in the west is is pushing even wisconsin i mean wisconsin yeah you know wisconsin has gone out there and got some better before you know yeah Mis- minnesota's class right now is 36th and that puts them above schools like miami ucf you know, West Virginia, Texas Tech, Syracuse. So, I mean, that's Colorado. You yeah. know, that's decent recruiting for them. That's so. good. You know, nationally, there's been some some interesting classes out there. Boomer, you just mentioned Miami. Mm-hmm. I think Mark Richt uh, lost a couple of players late uh, in the cycle here, or maybe just even today. And um, Florida State, not as strong as, as you typically expect. So, the impact of, of having that uh, difficult record there by Willie Taggart and just seems like a little bit of everything's in flux down there is is, is kind of interesting. You know, UCLA uh, with Chip Kelly, very unique recruiting philosophy yep. and uh, have a very different evaluation and they have a very, very low class. And I think uh, even USC, USC still has some five-star guys out there, I think, that they'll probably likely land by February. But... Oregon blew everybody away on the West Coast. They're a top five class, and then the Pac-12 really is struggling from an image standpoint right now. And the SEC just keeps on racking it. And now, I mean, we've talked about this endlessly. The the rankings only mean so much when you get down to that because it's uh, tilted towards everybody who shows up to camps and whatnot. But it is interesting, the kind of geographies of, of the recruiting and the um, – playoff contenders right now and at some point something's going to break whether that's the expansion or or, or college or whatever something's going to ultimately change in in the setup because i don't think it can last forever like this all right guys so let's uh let's head into the mailbag honky and then uh, maybe then head to nebraska basketball after that take it away honk with the mailbag all right we had Many questions come in again this week. Uh, not surprisingly, several were about uh, recruiting. We're not going to go into those since we already did so much discussion on it. But uh, Steve from Chicago, he gave us a good question about uh, – he asked us a couple of weeks ago about making multiple uh, bets with the Huskers winning national championships by 2020, and we kind of told him that maybe isn't the best bet to go after – but he did want to talk about with next season. He said, an extremely too early look at the season next year. I'm predicting 11-1 and or 10-2. and Tell me I'm right. So it's not really a question. He's just, he wants validation. I'll start with you, Dave. Tell him he's right or 
I guess tell him he's wrong. I, you know, I, I kind of feel like I'm faux Polini here with that uh, um, um, column that he does for the Athletic, where it's like you know he gives advice because I feel like you know it's like Steve, you need to like you know just make sure if you're putting money down on 2020 uh, national championship that you're you're taking your your profits that you've won in 2018. Hopefully, you're not trying to make up at all. Um, I, I I think you could be right. I think ten and two very reasonable considering that schedule, and uh, it's not outlandish that you go eleven and one at all. Um, are they going to do it? I don't know. I'm not not here to predict that, but sure. I, I don't see any reason why we can't go ten and two. Boomer. Uh, yeah, I just hope he's aware that they haven't quite legalized sports betting here in Nebraska yet. So uh, yeah, let's just hope he's not or in Chicago for them or Chicago anywhere else. Yeah, so. Uh, sure, if you want to put the money down, why not? Go ahead, enjoy it. Just put a little Johnny's College Fund on it. I'm sure it'll pay off. Uh, 11 <laughs> and 1, that's... If you got great odds, sure, great. But, you know, we're still a, what, 4 or 5 win team, and we've got... The schedule is softer next year, there's no question, but you're still playing Ohio State. You're still playing a Northwestern team that gives us trouble every year. It doesn't matter who they have on the team. Yeah, we it's always you used to give them, them more trouble at home than away. Yes, so. and we get them in Lincoln next year, so that's mm. yeah something to be aware of. We play Purdue in West Lafayette. That's a team that's I think going to be a challenge in the West for the next you know foreseeable yeah. future. I mean, I don't know who back. they've got good but... talents, and we played a lot of close games with them, and Wisconsin's still Wisconsin, and Iowa's still Iowa. You're supposed to be day, telling so. him that you're that he's right, Boomer. I, I know. He's wrong. I'm trying to just uh, just. <laughs> Give him something to think about. Chew on here. I, if, if we just agreed with everybody, I mean, yeah, what, what value would uh, this be? This is advice, tell you Dave, what, not, not support, I'll, I'll, not validation. I'll, I'll give him this. At at four and eight, and with a clear uh, positive direction of the last half of the season, I feel like you could compare this Nebraska team to other, you know, sub five hundred teams that have had significant improvements and have have gone to. Um, uh, high-profile bowls, or somebody even like Notre Dame, who goes four and eight and bounces back right away, and then in two years is playing for a national or championship in, in the playoff. Right, two years ago, Notre Dame was four and eight. They bounced back last year, uh, had a better year. And now they're uh, twelve and zero. So um, we're on the right right path to your twenty twenty national championship. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. It's not entirely out of the realm of, you know, conceivability. It's, you know, there's still pieces that have to fall into place. There's guys we're going to have to, you know, replace. You've got to see a defense tighten up in key situations. They've got to fix special teams, which let's hope they do this uh, this offseason going into next. So, yeah, go ahead and knock yourself out. Yeah, bet what you want. We're not here to judge. Well, there nope. – this is, this is a trust tree, this podcast. Yeah. So, there, go ahead. There you have it, Steve. I mean, I think it's totally reasonable to – Predict 11 wins off a team that's won eight the last two years. So let's move on <laughs> to the keg. And and I'm a total homer, by the way. So, I mean, I'm not I'm the last guy to tell you no. But uh, we're going to move on to the other question that uh, we picked this week is from the keg. And he said, UCF turned down Florida's two-for-one offer to play them. He goes, should this move by UCF be applauded for standing up to the SEC? Or is it a missed opportunity for a school desperately seeking national credibility? Uh, Boomer, we'll start with you. Uh, you can look at it both ways, and I think both are, are reasonable. Um, it is, you know, kind of upsetting that UCF didn't take them up on the offer and have a chance to play Florida. 
again, I don't know the exact terms of all the deals and without knowing, you know, the financial end of it. You know, UCF has to pay bills just like every other team does, which is why everybody wants, you know, nine home games a year or whatever it is anymore. So there are financial ends of it that have to be considered. So we do add on. I don't know what those are. But, you know, when you are in the AAC, you do want to take those opportunities when you have the chance. And if it was at all possible to do so, I could, you know, it is kind of a missed opportunity. Uh, UCF has upgraded their scheduling. You know, as far as Power Fives go, I mean, they've scheduled, they've got games with Louisville and Georgia Tech and, you know, schools like that coming up in the next few seasons. Yeah, next year. So So they've added a couple of Power Fives almost every season now. So, again, I don't know what years they were offering or what years they were even talking about. Was it feasible? Was it not? I don't know. Uh, So, you know, that end of it is kind of disappointing. Now, if I wanted to take the other end of it and you want to, you know, UCF, are they an established team? Well, they kind of are, really. I mean, they've. We're looking at a second undefeated season here. They've beaten SEC teams in a bowl game last year. You know, we'd see comparisons a lot of times to, you know, say Florida State in the 80s with Bobby Bowden coming up to Lincoln to play, you know, Nebraska repeated times. You know, and in fairness, that is kind of a different era. That was a time when you weren't on TV all the time. You you hardly had an opportunity to be on TV unless you were a handful of programs. Uh, that's different now. I mean, UCF, how many people have watched UCF play? Probably multiple games. I'd say most of America has at this point. Uh, so it's kind of a different different approach to to saying you're an established team at this point. So, okay. well, so it, yeah, it's a bit fair. of both. Well, yeah, I, it, It's a missed opportunity, and I can also see the UCF side of it as well, too. Okay. You know, yeah. Does it have to be a two-for-one? Well, I don't know. I mean... What's the difference between a two-for-one if you're Florida versus a one-for-one? Well, I mean, I'm, you could almost look at it, is Florida using it as kind of an easy out, knowing that UCF wasn't going to take it? I mean, knowing they'd be insulted it, doing it. It puts and, them in yeah. their place in some ways, right, Honk? I mean, mm-hmm. I think that was interesting, Boomer. I, I've heard that argument of, like, well, it's a different era, and you can't do the Florida State thing any longer. And I don't I don't know if that's the, the case. I, 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 when I heard that initially, I'm like, what? And then you made at least a reasonable point about the, the, uh, the financial standpoint of it. But I mean, Boise just even recently, uh, has done a, a lot of, I mean, some of them have been one and, and O's with no return visits whatsoever. And I, a few of those been neutral site, but others have been, uh, two for ones. I is think that Virginia what Oklahoma Tech State was a two was for one. Year? Was that what the Oklahoma State game this year was, Dave? When Boise went to Okie State? Yeah, likely. Yeah, and they did two for ones with Oregon and Washington State, and and you know, I think the Georgia one might have been neutral site, but they've done quite a few of those. Uh, Washington finally returned visit to Boise, but it was a two for one scenario. So Boise's done the two for one, and it's worked out relatively well for them. And, um, yeah, and uh, I think USF is doing a two-for-one with Florida, so they're willing to do that. And I I think the UCF thing, they are a top-10 team the last two years, but it's hard to say they're truly a top-10 program. There's a Mm -hmm. difference there. Um, And so, yeah, it's tough, you know. And it's a question, I I feel like I'm biting my tongue, but I'm not even doing a good job with that because I'm trying to step in on you guys. But the question's about, you know, this school is desperately seeking national credibility, and I think you have have no leverage to turn down opportunities like this, in my opinion. And it, it comes down to, it's not just Florida State coming up to Nebraska four times in the 80s with no return visit. It's more about, look at what's going on right now in 
when when you get to the playoffs and stuff, we're talking about you know how, what's your schedule look like? How many Power Five schools do, have you played? Remember a couple years ago we played Oregon a week after Oregon played Virginia. So that meant that season Oregon played Virginia, Nebraska, and nine Pac-12 schools. They played eleven yep, Power Five 11 teams. Out of Twelve. Yeah. And UCF is is you know the last year and this year, unfortunately, they've had hurricanes and bad weather have knocked out their Georgia Tech and North Carolina games. So they don't they're not even in those cases they didn't even get a power 5 non-conference game. They still had teams like South Carolina State scheduled they, this year. The UCF beat Pitt this year or, again. They did so. beat Pitt. Right, so right. they yeah, had Pitt, so. but they also scheduled South Carolina State. Those are the games where you you are in no position right now to be scheduling South Carolina State. They should be scheduling three power 5 non-conference games every year. If they want to be serious yeah. moving forward. And to your point Boomer, they're their future schedules are getting better. They are being improved. Hell, they're going to be hosting Stanford next year. I mean, that's that's amazing. But for yep. them to have any kind of demands, if we want to talk finances, I don't know what the finances are between. I think Michigan State's been down there before, actually. Michigan State yeah, uh, opened yeah, like up like uh, Bright House yeah, Network Stadium. Well, um, and, and, so it's the – go ahead, Hunter. Well, and, and supposedly this is a two-for-one, but the one that, that Florida wanted to play down in – in uh, Orlando wasn't going to be at now Spectrum Stadium. It was going to be at oh. the uh, Citrus Bowl. But okay, right. play it in the Citrus Bowl. You know, from a pure financial standpoint, why would that be worse? Having a 70,000 seat stadium versus a 35,000 Depending seat. on how they were going to allocate the tickets, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, but, but that'd be the only thing I'd be concerned with if I was UCF on that one. But how much better I mean, is I, hosting South Carolina State in front of 20,000 fans either, you know? Well, they did. They had decent attendance this year. I looked it up just out of curiosity. They actually are averaging what forty some thousand at I'm their not, games this but, year. But, so that is something. But boomer, I'm not for looking, what it's worth. I don't know. I'm not even looking know. at average. Look at their South Carolina State game. If you could look that game up and see what their attendance was for that one, because that's the that's the one that I'm pointing at, saying don't play that team if you're UCF and you're looking for credibility. Uh, sure, sure. They get enough. Well, they get enough gimmies in conference. Honestly, let me throw another theory out to you there, Honky. I mean, you're talking about credibility, and I mean, this is the kind of the the long or at least mid to the long term play for UCF is to want to make it into a Power Five conference. And uh, I, Stuart Mandel wrote an article and made point of like the Big Twelve should just get UCF in, right? I mean, it's a take UCF and and. USF and and it makes total sense and they could potentially do that by kind of playing how they are right now which is delivering 12 and 0 seasons and and then knocking off a a 9 and 3 LSU team or Auburn team in a, in a bowl game yep. and not have to take the risk of of doing a 2 for 1 versus a Florida or whatever right so there's mm-hmm. a the risk reward i guess is like if if they feel like it's necessary to get their their P5 invite by playing two for ones versus Florida and winning uh, a road game in the swamp uh, then they would probably do it but maybe they feel like the long play is that something will happen in the next 5 years where they don't have to take that risk it, i don't it know certainly I'm just didn't, it out there. it certainly didn't hurt TCU to get into the Big 12 yeah. to your point there Dave at the same time the question is behind UCF being upset about not getting into the, to the playoffs and not making it, you know, it, it's kind of two different approaches. I mean, one approach is get into the, get into the uh, a power conference, and the second approach is until you're in there, you know, what can you do right now? I do have one question, or, and I, I, I know the answer in my head at least. What is the, what's the one group of five team, let's say in, during the playoff era, 
what group of five team legitimately, if they would have done everything they needed to do and won everything? Houston. Houston. Houston would have been the only one. They beat yeah, that's, that's an easy They beat Oklahoma. They won at Louisville. That is a team that legitimately, had they not gone ahead and lost three other games, I think they I think they ended up 9-3 and three by the end of that year. But if, yeah. if they would have won all those games, went 12-0, and 0, I, I truly believe they would have made the playoffs ahead of a one-loss, non-division winning Ohio State team. Yeah. Yeah, I think right. I think Houston would have. I think a twelve and zero Houston. I'd be team. curious to see that. I'd, I'd like to see I'd, that scenario played out. I'd, I'd be, yeah, I'd love to see it's what the committee that, would do with that. I still have my serious doubts whether they would kick that in in that circumstance. I mean, we've seen the committee be able to justify whatever they want to justify. They'll come up with a reason or rationale. Sure. Whatever it, whatever they want to do. I mean, sure. It they, was they the strongest a non-conference yep. uh, schedule you could have, have seen right. in this playoff era, though. So. It would have been interesting. Yep. All right. Uh, is that it? That, that's it. Thank you, everyone, to, for your for your questions. Uh, contact us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at GoBigRedCast, and you can always email us at GoBigRedCast at Gmail. Ah, thank you, Hunk. Uh, let's wrap this up with just a quick Nebraska ball segment because that's kind of the warm and fuzzy part of our show now these days, right? Yeah. Nebraska ball. Uh, Huskers are ranked in both polls again. Thanks to a Sunday evening shellacking of the Cowboys of Oklahoma State up in the Sanford Pentagon in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, Tim Miles close to his hometown, I guess. His parents were in the audience. Um, Very small, quaint little um, kind of throwback um, arena. 98% Husker fans there. Slow start, couldn't hit the broad side of a barn in the first half, it felt like. I think, Boomer, I don't know, you might have the stats in front of you, but I think James Palmer hit six field goals in the first half, and the rest of Nebraska had hit, hit six, and like yeah. four of those came in the last two minutes or yeah, something it like was, that. that was a bizarre game. I mean, it was – you kind of expected there to be some kind of slowdown from the, the energy they had in that Creighton game. That was going to be hard to maintain after a week off, and then you're playing and you know – Team sick North, too. I guess. I don't know. In front of a crowd of several, you know, I, it was packed. But again, you can only pack that place so much with so many people. So you expected a bit of a letdown. But that that first half was sluggish, and man, they did not look good for the majority of it. Until Second that, half, though, yeah. Until that until that very end of that first half, they had a little spurt there at the end, and then somehow Oklahoma State got a technical on themselves, and the score changed like three times without time going off the clock, you know, before the second half even started, which was strange. Yeah, but yeah the second half, off. they came out and played like a team that you wanted to see them play like, that you think they can. I mean, just played great defensively. You had a lot of, you know, a great shooting at that point. I mean, they smothered Oklahoma State shooting-wise. I mean, they were terrible from three-point range. What did they shoot like? Oklahoma State Yeah, 13% only, or something like that from the three-point line. It was line. awful. I mean, it was, yeah, they were yeah. just one of the worst teams I'd seen in that second half. They couldn't do anything. They and they're not a bad three-point shooting team. No, so. no, nothing like that. Yeah, I mean, that was yeah. terrible. I mean, they Nebraska looked good. They looked dominant. And that's what you wanted to see coming out of that game, at least. You know, that, a team that did have a bad first half and was able to rally and respond to it. You know, it's not a great yeah. Oklahoma State team, but it's still a – you know, major conference program, and it's still a you know neutral site win, which was nice to see. You yeah, know, and that, yeah, and you got production out of Copeland, which was good, and then Allen, who probably should have been you know on an IV drip somewhere, but he was still there at the game and you yeah, know, contributed, honky, put up a lot of points. Honky, you got to think Thomas Allen's starting to become one of your favorite players, right? My goodness, guy uh, drives up separately <laughs> uh, on Saturday morning and 
uh, or Sunday morning, I don't know what it was, and he drops 14 and uh, plays great defense, yeah, right? a couple assists, a couple of steals, too. I mean, that's amazing. And, you know, it's funny. Nebraska fans, I think probably fans in general, do this. Like, sometimes they minimize when your team is doing well. They minimize, uh, well, who we beat wasn't very good or whatever. I don't care. We just beat <laughs> Oklahoma State and Creighton in consecutive games by 42 points. Like, I, I just don't care. Like, that's awesome. Um, yeah. You know, in Palmer's case, he's put up 29 points against Oklahoma State, and that was following 30 points against Creighton. That's amazing. Uh, that, that's great against air, if I can, you know, uh, quote yep. Callahan as a coach. The Big Ten right now, we have seven teams ranked, but we also have three with votes. You know, basically 10 of 14 teams are really just in yeah. contention, period, for NCAA tournament kind of postseason. If you extended out that that poll, we essentially have ten in the top thirty-seven, I think, or something yeah. like that. So, I mean, it's yeah. it's pretty crazy. And Rutgers, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> That's so right. actually, you know, what while we still have a minute or two on this, Dave, the next team that we're playing, Cal State Fullerton, we, I only heard a little bit about them, but it sounds like I mean they were an NCAA tournament team last year and kind of don't sleep on these guys. Have you? Do you know much about Cal State Fullerton or? Yeah, they were an NC Double uh, A uh, qualifier last year, but they are three and eight. Definitely not the same team. Um, and at home, I mean, they should be able to take care of business. I do. I think they do have some talent on that team, uh, and definitely some experience. But um, the record does not look strong. So, I mean, I think they just need to take care of business there. Tim Miles has been trying to you know build that up a little bit more than what it is, okay. but. Um, the, they should be ready, but you, you can't can't sleep at the wheel here. You have two games that you just want to be able to take care of business here over the holidays and um, get ready for Big Ten play. Uh, Dirk Chatterley had a great article, might already be a week ago, talking about how the the metrics loves this Nebraska team for a change, right? Uh, Honky, you were so mad at the the numbers <laughs> guys last year and like how they were just out for yeah, us. Um, but I mean the I mean. Right now, it is they, these numbers, and it, it's not always easy to figure out why all the numbers <laughs> love Nebraska so much. But the net ranking, I think we're fifteenth. RPI is like twenty something ish, but the Ken Palm is like top ten. Uh, it, all these other metrics uh, have us very well, so we're set up to as long as we're as competitive in the Big Ten as we expect to. Could be could be well seated. I look at Seth Davis has this in his top twenty five at fifteenth, I think, something like that. Yeah, I that's mean, about right. you know, even yeah, I mean, just digest that a little bit. <laughs> even Coach Miles the other night on his radio show, I think he made some reference to um, that. You know, if we had had a different name on our jersey, if we were Iowa State, yeah, if he was Iowa State, if it was something with a little yeah. more tradition, that you know, we'd be number twelve yeah. in the polls right now. And I, I just have to say this. I, I want us to be ranked as high as possible. By all, rank us number one. I, you're not going to get an argument from me. But right now, it seems like it's not really – I wouldn't even go there. Like, who cares? Like, right now, we're ranked number one. That's awesome. We're ranked. We're in the top 25. And we're going to have so many opportunities against so many highly ranked teams here in the next month or two. Let's just win games. <laughs> Do that. Yeah, I, we'll know, yeah, we'll know by, I think, mid-January what kind of team this is. Because yeah. once you start Big Ten play, we've got – what three road games at Maryland, at Iowa, at Indiana, Penn State's yep. thrown in there, and then Michigan State comes here. Yeah. So there's you're gonna four know. shots at some real serious games. Win a couple of those, especially those road games, which is something Nebraska balls lacked in the last few seasons. Yep. Good road wins. 
and, and you know, know where we're at. And health is going to be huge right now. Obviously, Amir Harris, I think he had mono. And I don't know much about mono, but uh, it doesn't sound good. And it doesn't seem like it goes away real quick. And so they've kind of had him quarantined from the rest of the guys. Hopefully, you know, nobody else has any, any of that gunk going around. But um, uh, if we can stay healthy, I mean, that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest fear I have right now. I think we have good enough depth as long as, well, <laughs> as long as guys don't get hurt, then our depth isn't good. But. I guess that's, that's that, that defeats that was, the, the purpose of death. <laughs> that's that's the type of commentary you expect from the Go Big Red. That's cast. that's an albatross on this uh, on this podcast. So yeah, well, eighteen games in the Big Ten left. It's going to be a, a a war. But yeah, I, I wouldn't worry too much about the rankings per se. But uh, be honest with you, if you think this team is good enough to win an NCAA tournament game. It's a heck of a lot easier to win one when you're seated fourth, fifth, sixth, something yep. like that, opposed to tenth, eleventh, or twelfth. Damn so straight. That's what you care about. So, all right, guys, let's uh, get out of here with some parting shots, honky. Uh, I'm I'm guessing almost every one of us might talk something about volleyball. Uh, amazing season, amazing four year stretch for those seniors, Maloney and Fecky. Uh, unbelievable ending i mean to go down to the final set of the final game it's it's awful that they they couldn't pull off the the back-to-back titles and and a very controversial overturn of that one call but but still i just got to give a shout out and just great great season to to nebraska volleyball also um this is going to be our last red cast of the of the year we won't uh, be talking to you again until it's 2019 so Happy holidays, everyone. And I want to give a special shout-out to Brooks. He's been contacting us. We've been talking back and forth with him a little bit on Twitter. Uh, great young fan of ours and, uh, you know, uh, just a, a good future Husker Husker fan that uh, it's been fun talking with you, Brooks. So shout-out to you. Future podcaster there. All right, Boomer, what do you got? Uh, first off, uh, just talking, just the uh, UCF South Carolina State attendance was uh, 43,269 announced, so I don't know if that was scanned or not. Was that scanned? Damn. 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 Yeah. Yeah. It could be either. I don't, I don't know, but that's what they announced. Uh, yeah, for, the other thing uh, I wanted to open with was, uh, again, Nebraska volleyball. So close on that, and winnable championship. It was there. You know, Stanford was a good team. Can't take it away from them. Yeah. Whether their tree's holding a hair dryer or not, I don't know, but... Uh, yeah, good to see. And we talked about it on Twitter. There is really no excuse for college volleyball not to be a more popular sport than it is. All right. It's hard to find a game better suited for television than that. You've got yep. speed, excitement. It's great fun to watch. It makes you nervous about every every play because every play's a point. So it's it's you know a nerve wracking game to watch as long as ESPN doesn't you know have a blimp trying to take a video <laughs> camera through the window and sepia toned colors from the backcourt somehow. That's probably one of the reasons it fails to be to catch on as much on ESPN eight or whatever they choose to put it on. <laughs> It'd be well, nice to have seen that on ESPN. Well, yeah, well the New Orleans Bowl, Michael, was going on. You got yeah, yeah, that does take precedence. I knew yeah. there was that huge Middle Tennessee State uh, alumni base that ESPN, you know, <laughs> was covets. But yeah. yeah, so there was that. But again, great job, Nebraska volleyball. Great season on a rebuilding year. Can't argue with that. And yeah, then, uh, just like Conky said, it is the holidays. So just hope everyone just take some time. You know, put the phones down. Put the computer down for a little bit and actually talk to the other human beings, except for the Redcast. Give your family the gift of the Redcast this holiday season. So when you're around the table, just throw it on there and you know just let it play. That's so. right. Remember, that's right. That's remember right. the reason for the season: the Redcast. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, we'll probably take uh, next week off in between the holidays, 
but we'll be back in January. Have a uh, happy and safe holiday season. Yes, Anki, oh, we yeah. have. Uh, the bowl pick em. We have 34 players in it, and it, we're you oh, know, yeah. eight or nine games into it so far. And so uh, keep up with that on Twitter. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we have the Redcast Bowl pick em going. Well, what does the winner get out of the, the bowl pick em? I'm... They get to watch Honky eat uh, some leftover shrimp for <laughs> New Year's Eve. So he'll, uh, he'll FaceTime me with that. So. Wow. Well, that's just going to a competition. There might be another be lunch. Fierce. There might be another yeah. lunch involved. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure something, something out. All right. Sounds good, guys. All right. Good talking to you. Had a great time. Let's call that a Go Big Redcast. Go Big Redcast.